Today's reading comes from Psalm 8. We'll be reading from the New International Version. Please follow along in your own Bibles or as the text is presented on the screens above. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your, your heavens to the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the work of, works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wind, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I want to start by saying thank you to Pine Lake Covenant Church. I am beginning a sabbatical uh, in the next day or two, as soon as I can get some things done that are on the list. But um, last year I did half of a, a sabbatical that comes after seven years, and this year I'm going to do the other half, so I'll be gone for the next six weeks. You don't applaud. That would be a bad way to send me off. And it's a time for uh, uh, resting and uh, a little learning and some prayer and play and family stuff. So there you go. You can, if you think about it, pray for me. The batteries get recharged. Okay. The big truth in this series that we're in called You Are Creative. By the way, this is the last of these three. It's just a short series. But You Are Creative. And the idea, the big idea, is that God is the creator and we are in his image. Therefore, we are created or creative as well. So Isaiah gives us an image. The image is of the potter. God is the potter. And what are we? The clay. And here's, here's a modern way of thinking about us. We are claymation. Because we move, Right? But as, as part of claymation, or as being whatever that is, claymates, uh, we are able to shape clay, and that's our, our creative thing. And, it, and it's really a powerful, and um, there's lots of ways to do it. So I want to just share some of those this morning. I'm going to use the visuals a little more than I usually do this morning. But... Um, the, I want to give you, a, this, is, this is from uh, Handel's Messiah, right? You know that, that this is music, okay. And the story goes that uh, George uh, Frederick uh, Handel was working, I think it only took him three weeks to do that, that whole thing called the Messiah, which is amazing. It, it's, it's an amazing piece of work. And uh, his, uh, he was in his room most of that time, engrossed in his work. And his servant would come to the door and leave food there. The food wouldn't get eaten, whatever. And one day, uh, if that's for me, just tell him I'm busy right now. <laughs> I'm in the middle of the story, in fact. One day, the servant came to uh, the door, and he walked in, and he saw uh, Handel uh, on his knees in tears. He had just finished writing the Hallelujah Chorus, which I could lead you in, but I won't. 
And this is, these are the words that he says to his servant. I did think, I did see all heaven before me and the great God himself. He was, uh, he was undone. And it was through that creative, that, that thing that's in us. It's in all of us. Some of us more than others, right? We're not all handle. And, um, but we all have this thing. Now, we use it in different ways, and there's different ways to express uh, things. So I want to give you another example here of art. You might not think it's art. (laughs) You say, that looks like my house. Okay. Uh, This is uh, a piece of art. I think it was done back in the 90s. Tracy Eamon is called My Bed. And um, I didn't give you, you can't really see the details there, but... There's a lot of stuff there that suggests that this was a time in her life where she was in kind of isolation and depression. And so uh, there's some substances there and things that, uh, and she's telling a story of that part of her life. So I know you might think to yourself, that's not art. That's just, yeah, whatever. Um, a teenager's whatever. Or, but, it, you know, here's the deal. It sold for $4 million. <laughs> Just think about it. In your home, you've got art. <laughs> but but I, I, I know we, we kind of, um, uh, some of us sort of wonder, but there is art in the sense that this was a time in her life that she looked back on as she explains that that was a tough time and, and uh, she's not there anymore. It was in the Tate Museum, which is in London. Been there. And then we remember last week how art uh, in the story with, um, in Exodus and uh, art was used for, we would say, evil purposes as they shaped a golden calf into something that they worshipped and danced around, those Israelites. You know, that was not good. So anyway, art has all these different ways. We can express it in ways that glorify God, that tell our story, or we can do some really bad stuff with it. There's lots of ways to use art. So you are creative, and uh, last week I began by just having you, I want to do this again, and it, feel free to enter in, but uh, this is, this is uh, Haley Jones' artwork that we based, uh, that was the bumper, she did the bumper, but this is the artwork from which it came, and um, it, it doesn't, what does it say to you? Just throw out some words. Soda pop. Soda pop, okay. What else? Joy. Joy. Sunshine, yeah. It's, it, it, it definitely lifts the soul, it seems. So I don't know. I'm not sure what she had in mind, but we get to interpret. And, um, but the, the things that we do, uh, so I, I mentioned last week Legos, and I don't know. We're going to do this thing afterwards, and I don't know if we didn't publicize it real well, but hopefully some of you brought something to show and tell. So your 15 minutes of fame that Andy Warhol talked about. But, uh, you know, things like uh, I, I brought a, a fly that I, I tied last week. And, uh, you know, I have a friend I was with this week, and he, he's, coffee is an art, you know. It's not, it's Folgers, is, we don't do Folgers anymore, do we? And this guy, he has his own roaster in his garage. By the way, he's another pastor that I'm friends with. And he, he grinds it within five minutes of when you drink it. And there's no plastic that can ever touch anything. He's got all these, you know, rules that make the coffee. But it really does taste good, I'm telling you. And then he swirls the thing on top. Coffee art. What else? 
Music, of course, music. What else? Gardening. Gardening. Architecture. Architecture. Hear it again? Sewing. Sewing. Writing. Writing, for sure. Yeah. Sculpting. Sculpting. Yeah. Theater. Dance, theater, art, music. Okay, you get the idea. And we all have this touch. This thing in us that wants to create is part of being human. Now, here's the thing. Is human being a good thing or not? It, see, we got it, we're a little confused on this one. <laughs> to err is human? Not really. <laughs> it's just that we're, we're fallen humans. That's where we err. And um, being human is a good thing. So I want to... This is from a, an art historian, a Dutch art historian and a Christian. Uh, He had a a unique way of talking about being human. Jesus didn't come to make us Christian. Jesus came to make us fully human. You see, Jesus is fully human. And it's a good thing to be human. So good that God became human. I mean, that's how good it is. So um, you can think about that for a while. But uh, this is um, where we're going to go this morning is to look at what it means to be human. And it does have limits. If you haven't noticed, um, your life does have limits. And we're going to use this outline here. Um, someday I'll do something other than three. Okay, I, I will do, I'm going to work on that in my sabbatical. I know that you're, I'm a little predictable, but somehow, I don't know, I'm, I'm in a rut. But um, we're going to talk about framing the art. And we're going to talk about our smallness and then the artistic moment. And Psalm 8 is our text. Of course, our lives are also the text that we uh, talk into. All right, the Psalms are, first of all, the Psalms are an art form. They are prayers, but they're in the form of poetry, which was sung. And we don't, we don't typically sing them, but that's how they were originally. Uh, David is the artist here. And he is going to paint some pictures for us to look at and that we get to enter into. But the thing I want you to notice is that there's a structure or a form. And if you look at verse 1, it says, Lord, and the word there is Yahweh. Our Lord, and the word there is Adonai, or Master. So the personal name for God, Master. How majestic is your name in all the earth? Verse 1, verse 9, exactly the same words. What does that tell us? There's a frame. There's a frame around the content of this psalm. Bookends, if you will. And uh, I'm going to make the argument here in a minute that good art uh, always has some kind of structure to it. Uh, But in the center of the psalm, so we go from these two outer verses that frame it. In the very center, not by accident, is the content or the point of the psalm, and it it focuses in on what humans are, what a human being is, and we'll get into that later. So, but to be human is to be live a framed life. O Lord, or Lord, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name. So it's a life of praise and it's a life of submission to God. That's what it means to be human, fully human, as we see in the person of Jesus Christ. And this framing implies in verses 6 through 8, and it's, it's kind of a repeat of Genesis 1 that, where J.D. started two weeks ago, but it gives us our responsibility. So as, as humans, we have responsibilities to rule over, have dominion, and we're going to uh, do creative stuff. We get to do creative stuff in our everyday life 
but it, it's in it's kind of the sub-creator mode. We're the, we're the claymation that makes clay. We're not the potter. And we get to make stuff. And you, and you can garden, and you can do your creative stuff at work with a computer, or you can uh, you know, tie flies, whatever it is that you like to do, or that you're called to do. You're gifted to do what you're good at, and you have passion for. And uh, But there is this framing that we come to. So, do we have any jazz affectionados here? A few jazz affectionados. So I, I'm a, I, I, I used to really love jazz, and I've kind of gotten away from it, but here's, so if I say something that doesn't sound right, but this is, this is how, what I remember, is that jazz is this wonderful um, uh, genre of music that has this huge improv element to it, this ad-lib thing. And it gets, whenever you hear it, you may not hear the same jazz trio do the same song in the same way every time. I mean, it's just, there's a lot of adaptation and it feels very free-flowing. Such is life, right? Is life free-flowing? So jazz captures a lot of life. But there's always a, uh, it always fleshes out these themes, these, these things that you can pick up on. In other words, uh, jazz, which seems very, at times, very chaotic, is not just a bunch of notes that are randomly thrown together. Who would want to listen to that? And they don't. Nobody, that's not jazz. It's chaos and randomness. And it'll touch on that, but it'll always weave back into, into a theme. Very, it's a wonderful uh, form of music that I think tells us a lot about, about life. And so with art, I'm going to use the uh, art here. And um, let's see here. Yeah, this is, uh, you might say that art looks meaningless. Well, that's the title of it. You're right. <laughs> uh, it, it is, that's the author or the artist's title. And uh, the, you, when you read or see that, you may want to do this. <laughs> I knew you'd laugh. Ooh. And then we have cartoon. Cartoons are art too, right? Yes, they are. Some of the best art in the world. And so here's one from a museum. It's meaningless, lady. Believe me, I painted it. You know? So the point here I'm trying to make is that we need structure. We need form. Art, art has to have some kind of boundaries around it for, a, for us to enjoy it. And just uh, chaos. So we remember that God, when he created the world, he, he brought order out of chaos, and we are also, in his image, bringing order to the chaos of our lives. And boy, is it a, it's, it's a lot of work sometimes, but that's part of the creative deal. So I want to do, I wanna, uh, before we get back into the psalm, I want to give you just a little bit of uh, how, uh, kind of a bigger sociological view uh, of why we live with so much artistic expression that doesn't seem to make sense today, whether, whatever the medium is, not just art, as we as, as you know, the kind of art that um, we're looking at in museums, but in everyday life. And it has to do with, um, well, I'm going to give you a picture of a book here. This is so, you know, some people use their creativity to write books. This is a bestseller from the 1980s. Uh, Robert Bella, uh, uh, University of California, Berkeley, a famous sociologist, wrote this book, Habits of the Heart. It's still an amazing book, although it does seem a little bit dated, but the main themes are, are still very relevant to us. So look at the subtitle, Individualism and Commitment in American Life. Now here's, I'm going to give you just the 
this is like the Cliff Notes of the Cliff Notes version of this. Okay, boil it down. There are four streams in American culture that define who we are historically. And there's a delicate balance between these four streams. That it's kind of the secret sauce of why America works. This is what he's saying, and this is what his research was showing in the 1980s. The first stream is, it goes back in history, it's, it, he calls it the biblical religion stream. And it, we find it in the Puritans, and we find it in the uh, revival movements, and so forth and so on. So that's, you know, that's a part of our, our history. That root, that stream is there. And then the, other, the next one is also kind of a communal emphasis, another, not, not individual, but communal. And it's called republicanism. It has nothing to do with politics per se or the political party. What it has, it's a Jeffersonian way of looking at life where you consider yourself uh, a, a citizen for the, uh, for the sake of others. And so volunteerism and citizenship and uh, seeking out the common good. And, and he puts those two things, biblical religion and seeking out the common good, on one side of the equation. That's the balance of, of the communal life that we can make commitments to. And then on the other side, he said that part of the genius of being American is that we have this individualism streak. And um, it's in two, he, he identifies two things. One is our utilitarian um, emphasis on, in economics on seeking our self-interest and how we, we pursue our self-interest and somehow it all kind of works out. And then on the other, the other thing on that side that balances it out is this thing called individual expression. And this is where we get into the arts. And, and what his argument is, is that, that what's happened in, this is in the 1980s when he said it, is that things have shifted towards individualism. And so you, now you have people seeking economic self-interest left and right without any concern for the common good. Does that sound like America? does to me. And then you have this individual expression of artists who have no, ref- there's no frame there. There's just, the end in itself is for the artists to express themselves. And they become the potter. It's an unframed life. And we see that in so many ways. I mean, just think of all the, the music that's been written since the 80s or whatever. Um, and that's, that's, you don't have to buy that, but I ask you to consider that, that, that that what's in, what may be needed is this gent, or this delicate balance needs to be shifted back towards people who talk about the common good. And we may have different definitions of that, but the common good, not just what I want for myself. Okay. Uh, that explains some of the art that is unframed today. Now let's get into the, the psalm a little bit more. Let's go to, I'll get back on this outline here, our smallness. And he gives us two, David, the author, gives us two metaphors for our smallness. The first one has, is children in verse 2. Um, he holds up children as wonderful. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise. This is the verse that Jesus quotes when he comes into Jerusalem on um, Palm Sunday. And the children are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God. And what are the chief priests and the elders say? Those in authority, what do they say? 
Be quiet. These are the enemies of God who are silencing the children's praise of God. You see, these children live framed lives. Lord, oh Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Children can say that so easily it rolls off their tongue. They're small. And yet the adults or those in authority are saying, shut up, kids. You don't know what you're talking about because they were threatened by Jesus. The smallest and the most dependent are the most human. Hmm. uh, That seems to be what uh, the text is saying. And what what the text is saying is that what happened to to Jesus, uh, the children are going to silence those who are telling them to be quiet. So there's, there's an irony here. And of course, good art oftentimes has irony. That these little children, somehow declaring the praises of God, are going to silence the enemies of God, who are bigger than they are. Stay tuned. <laughs> you know, when I was in, uh, so this, this is uh, part of my sabbatical. I'm going, to, I'm going to do a class up in Vancouver. I'm going to go back to uh, the seminary that I went to back in the 80s when I read that book. And um, there's a park there that I want to visit on my sabbatical, and it's uh, near the UBC campus, University of British Columbia campus. But it's one of those moments where, and I I always want to say this really carefully, like God spoke to me, but, you know, how do the the impressions of the heart that become remembered and and strong, and you look back and you think, I think maybe God really did speak to me. So I'm going to share that with you, uh, with all of the qualifiers that, uh, you know, when you hear, when you say... I, I, I always kind of wonder when people are always talking about how they heard from God, uh, you know, like, especially when they do weird things. So, okay, anyway, <laughs> just so you know, I have some caution there. All right. But I was in this park that day, and it was a particular time in my life where I was feeling, uh, oh, that's the right word, a lack of identity. I had gone from being a business person with a business card that said who I was, and I, I existed in that world. That was my, my frame. And I had gone to becoming a, a student and learning great things, but without a role. I, didn't, I was not a pastor at that time, and I wasn't sure I ever would be. And I'm just in this space that feels really, uh, you know, vulnerable, just kind of out there, unprotected. And here I am in this park. It was about this time of year. It was a nice day. And I remember just sort of, I, I, this is what I remember. Lord... This is my prayer. Lord, I feel so small. I feel so small. And the, the, the sense I got back, it wasn't like a, a voice thing, but the sense I got back was this, you are small. <laughs> <laughs> you are small. And it's good. Yeah. It's good. You don't have to be in charge of everything. Yeah. You, you know, just rest in this place of vulnerability. I've got you covered. What a beautiful thing. What a gift. You see why I want to go back there on my sabbatical? None of you show up there when I do, though. You, know? <laughs> you have your own place. Yeah. But we need to... Um, being small, being like a child, is a wonderful thing. We reframe our lives in praise of God and submission to Him. Verse 3. David gets even smaller 
ironically, by going bigger. He looks up in the sky. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. And then he ends with this question of who are we? The stars, you know, just... So science has its place, and I'll just touch on this for a sec, that our galaxy is called the... Okay, what's the candy bar? The Milky Way, just in case you forgot. If you said Snickers, that's totally wrong. All right. (laughs) The Milky Way, if it were... This is to get the size proportions, right? The Milky Way... If, if, it were the, if it were North America, our solar system would be a cup of coffee. That's our solar system relative to the Milky Way. And don't ask me if it's a tall, grande. Yeah, I don't, I don't think about that. So, uh, and then there are, as far as we know, and what do we know, but there are 100 billion galaxies in the universe. And there may be more, and then there may be more than one universe. I mean, we don't know how vast... So David's looking up in the sky, and he doesn't know all this science, but we do. At least we know what we know now, and someday they'll probably know more. But what he knew when he looked up in the sky is that that was a a vast place. And picture him out there uh, under the stars, maybe tending his sheep, looking up at the the uh, unfiltered sky. There it is before him. And he feels small. That's, that's the impression that he gets is, Lord, how majestic. Look at, look at this. Look at the stars. How small I feel. We need an artist to express how small we feel. And so I have for you one of the most iconic pieces of art ever, right? Which is called Starry Night. Everybody knows this. It's on t-shirts. For, I mean, it's, you know, it's become popular art, but it really is a beautiful piece of, of art from Vincent van Gogh. And I don't know if you remember the story or if you've ever been told the story of how this came about, but he, um, he wanted to be a missionary. In fact, that was his, his kind of main purpose in life. And he signed up with a mission organization. And uh, God was at the center of his life. And in that experience, um, which has happened to others, he became disillusioned. And his family thought he was crazy. Everybody except his brother really thought he was kind of crazy uh, as he went to some extremes to prove the kingdom of God was first in his life. And it really didn't work out for him. So uh, he retained his faith, but he became very disillusioned with organized religion. And then you, you see the church in, the, in there, which there's no lights on, and that's his way of, I guess, protesting that. But what do you really notice about the picture? This is, let, let's not, let's, what, what is it that, what's it called? Starry. It's Starry Night. And it's, it's, it takes over, and others have, have the comments on this. It's all about the starry night. And look how alive it is, and, and how much motion is there, and how there's maybe the praise of God there. Uh, this is, you know, this is, and, and we know that he did this while he was in an asylum. And the smallness and the depression and all the rest that goes with that. Maybe this was a healing uh, experience for him to paint the glory of God, the vastness of God's creation.
So David, maybe, I don't know if we read this back into Vincent Van Gogh's life, but David says, as he looks at the stars, why do you even bother thinking about me? Why do you care for me? I am so small. What, what's the deal? And what we expect when we get to verse 5, which is the next verse, that's verse 4. Verse 5 is where we come to the center of this psalm. And so this is the part that, this is really the reason for the psalm. It's there in the center. The frames are out here. We've covered the whole thing pretty much. And in the center, we expect David to say, you don't think about me. You don't care for me. I'm just too small. And yet he says what? You, we, are crowned with glory and honor. It takes an artist to figure all this out. To hold these two truths together that we are so small and so loved at the same time. I mean, this is why we need artists. They can say stuff like that in the ways that that straight prose or, or science or whatever is more rigid can't say to us. Thank you to all who are striving to say things that are hard to say and keep pursuing your art form. You are creative. Well, who's the greatest artist ever? It's God, right? He's the, the original. And what is, what, how does this relate to Jesus? Well, just think about Jesus uh, overflowing eternally, overflowing, the, the Son of God, the second member of the Trinity, and he becomes small. He becomes really, really small in a human form and a perfect human form showing us what humanity is meant to look like in full submission to God and in full praise of God his life is framed from beginning to end the perfect human being praise God we have an example of what it looks like to be human it's an artistic moment when get on the uh uh oh what'd I do This is true creativity right here. You have just witnessed it. I pushed a button. There we go. (laughs) I can't wait to be on sabbatical. (laughs) Okay. Let me go to um, where I was going here. Ephesians 2.10. There's many translations of this. The, I went with work of art, and I put it in parentheses. The Greek word is poema, and we think, poem, well, that's fine, but it's not what Paul meant when he wrote it. It, it has to do with uh, something creative that God has done, and a work of art is good. So you are a work of art. Um, some, some, you, you are a real piece of art, a real piece of work. How's that? Yeah. So, uh, a work of art, though, works. Created in Christ Jesus, the truly human one, to do good works. So you, too, are creative, which God prepared in advance for you to do, for me to do. That's a great verse for us to end this series on. You are creative. So go create. Whatever it is you do, do it well. Do it with excellence. Do it to the glory of God, the Creator. Let's pray.
Father, you are the potter. We remember, we situate ourselves, we are framed by this imagery of you being the potter, and we are the clay. We don't get to make up life. It's given to us with those limits. But within those limits of submission and praise, we have so much freedom from you to create and be creative, each of us in different ways. So, Lord, by your Spirit, empower us by the work of your hands. May your artistic expression, Father, be um, made real through us in this world. We are so small, but our smallness is also evidence of our living a framed life and being so loved. As we work with our hands and our minds and our hearts, may we find joy in being human together. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.